Hello and a warm welcome everyone. I'm the Reverend Dr James Harding and it's a joy and a privilege to be able to speak to you today. At HTBB Church we're currently in a sermon series on the wilderness wanderings of the people of God in the book of Exodus. Their wilderness was in some way like our wilderness. You know, our lockdown can feel like we too are in that desert place. And so I want to talk to you today about how God leads us through the lockdown, about how we can experience God's presence and God's power in the pandemic. My talk is titled The Cloud and the Fire, a pillar of presence and a pillar of power. And for our Bible reading, we've got a few verses taken from Exodus chapter 13, but the story continues into Exodus 14 and it's retold in a number of other places throughout the scriptures. Let's look at Exodus 13, beginning at verse 18. God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. Verse 20, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night, in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Have you ever had to travel anywhere in a thick fog? I mean a really thick dense fog. I'm not talking here about a light mist or a, or a gentle haze or a mild smog, you know you just need to clean your glasses or something. I'm talking about the kind of fog where you can't even see your hand in front of your face. I remember one time, quite a few years ago, I drove from Liverpool to visit my twin brother at the AOG Bible College, just outside of Sheffield. And, and just as I was arriving in that northern city, Sheffield, a thick, thick fog descended. We're talking so thick you could slice it with a knife and spread it on your toast. I mean, this was the kind of fog that the 18th century Victorians called a pea super. You could literally eat it. You, you, you quite literally had to swim your way through it. Now, I couldn't see anything at all. Nothing. 
And this was way back before the days of Waze or SatNav. But I did have a mobile phone. It, it was one of those old school phones, you know, the size of a brick. Do you remember? It had an aerial like a fishing rod. And, and I called my brother. Um, I said, John, John, I need to be quick. We're paying five ringgit a second on this call. John, I'm in Sheffield, but I can't see a thing. It's too foggy. I need some help. I need directions. He said, look around. Can you see the cathedral tower? I said, oh, oh yeah, I can see it's poking out through, uh, through the smog. Okay. Then he gave me directions and I wrote them down and I followed them very carefully. You know, I was so relieved when I pulled into the car park of the Bible College. I got out of the car, headed in through the main entrance towards the chapel. And then I thought, that's strange. Why are the chapel lights flashing blue and red? And why are all the Bible college students, why are they laying on beds attached to drips? And why are all the professors wearing white lab coats with stethoscopes? Something's not right here. And then I realised I got so lost and disoriented in that dark, gothic miasma of a northern industrial fog that I'd overshot my brother's Bible college by some 21 kilometres and ended up in Doncaster Royal Infirmary Hospital. It's easy to get lost in the fog, but God leads his people with a cloud. A cloud by day and a fire by night. You know, the work of God and the actions of God that we read about in Exodus today, they are real events in real history, in real places. They really happened. You know, we know when this happened from an inscribed monument called the Stella of Meneptah. We know exactly when the Exodus took place. It describes the events as happening between the year 1213 and 1203 BC. That's around 3,200 years ago. So we know when it happened and we know exactly where it happened. These events all happened in that very northeast corner of Africa where Egypt meets the Arabian Peninsula separated by the Red Sea. Now, the Red Sea here in Exodus 13 and 14 is perhaps the most debated geographical location in the whole story of the Exodus. The actual Red Sea proper, if you look on Google Maps, it's a huge saltwater body of water. It's some 2,250 kilometres long and 355 kilometres wide. It goes all the way down from Egypt, past Sudan, Ethiopia and Somalia. You know, this sea, the Red Sea, is, is more or less the same width 
but three times the length of Peninsular Malaysia. That's a big sea. Now, the name of this sea in Hebrew is Yam Sup. Yam Sup. No, that's not what you say in Cantonese before toasting someone and drinking a beer. Yam Sup refers to the sea of papyrus reeds, which interestingly only grow in fresh water, not salt water. And maybe some of your Bible translations in English say sea of reeds instead of Red Sea. That's why. So the sea that the Israelites walk to over a couple of days period as they leave Goshen in Egypt, yeah, it's a real, actual, geographical place. But it's probably the very far north end of the Red Sea, the Gulf of Suez freshwater delta system. So the very far northeastern corner of Egypt, where today the Suez Canal cuts through from the Mediterranean by the modern town of Al Ismailia. These things happen in a real place at a real time. So there's something there of the historical and geographical setting of the Bible topic we're looking at today. And this reminds us that God really acts. God acts in history. These are real historical events in real geographical places. But you know the name Yam Sup, it also has a theological meaning. Yam Sup, the ancient rabbis believed, was the great primeval sea of chaos at the creation of the world. God's ancient enemy right there at the foundation of creation. Yam Sup, they said, was that distant, scarcely known sea, right at the very end of the explored land, on the very edge of the known world. Yam Sup, the sea of extinction, the sea of the end, as some rabbinical scholars translate it. This is the place where something old dies and something new is born. You know, I think that image of standing there on the shore of the Red Sea, Yamsup, I think that sums up where we are right now in this lockdown, MCO, global pandemic world we find ourselves in today. You know, we're standing on the edge of something new. The, the old is about to pass. And he's bringing you right now to the edge of the shore. He's bringing you to stand on that vast sea of something new. And he wants to guide you and lead you through the wilderness with the pillar of his presence and the pillar of his power. Have you ever laid on your back outside, maybe on the grass or maybe on the beach and you just laid there looking up at the clouds? 
those beautiful clouds, not that toxic haze that descends on KL every September, not, not that poisonous cloud when you're fogging for mosquitoes. I'm talking one of those days where you're just kicking back on the beach with a cocktail or a, or a mocktail in hand and just having a dreamy, chillax moment, watching the clouds gently floating by. Wow, I need, I need one of those moments soon. Did you ever wonder when you've looked up, how are the clouds formed? I mean, there's actually a number of different ways that clouds are formed. But there's this one particular way that clouds are formed. It's when winds from different directions, they start to converge or meet at a centre of a low-pressure system, also known geographically as a depression. And the winds converge and they meet here at this low-pressure depression. And, and the wind, the wind has nowhere to go but up. There's an atmospheric lift where low-level winds converge at a point of pressure, of depression, and the only way is up. You know, I, th I think that's a remarkable word from the Lord for us. As a church community, in these lockdown days, that at our lowest point, at the point of pressure, at the point of depression, the wind, the breath, the ruach, the spirit of God blows on us and creates in us this atmospheric lift. And, and the spirit of God lifts us up and fills us up and leads us and guides us and gifts us with the presence of God and the power of God to lead us through the wilderness of lockdown into the promised land of freedom and blessings. The cloud by day is the pillar of his presence. The cloud by day is the pillar of his presence. When the people of God departed from Egypt, the Lord himself went before them in a pillar, a column, a tower of cloud to guide them on their wilderness way during the day. Exodus 13 verse 21. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. You get this theme recurring throughout the Exodus wilderness wanderings of, of God himself 
manifesting his active and dynamic presence over and over again in a number of different ways. And the pillar of cloud is a great example of this. Of course, you know, the idea of something like a pillar, like a column that's like a cloud, it, it only very inadequately describes the, the mysterious, intangible, incorporeal, indwelling presence of God here. That's why some Hebrew scholars, they prefer to translate pillar of cloud as a diaphanous, luminescent mist to try and recapture something of the mystery and the majesty of God's presence here. And here's the thing, God himself is in the cloud. God in this cloud, which always travels before the people of God, guides his people through the wilderness as they follow him. That's what Exodus 13 and 14 is all about. God in this cloud descends on the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, his Shekinah presence, heavy and glorious as the people gather to worship in Exodus 33 and Exodus 40. God, out of this cloud, speaks in an audible voice with Moses, Joshua, Aaron and Miriam in Exodus 19 and 33 and Numbers 12 and Deuteronomy. God, in this cloud, conceals the mercy seat, the place of his judgment in the tabernacle. In Leviticus 16 verse 2, this merciful cloud withholds the punishment his people deserve. The cloud by day is the pillar of his presence. And the cloud by night is the pillar of his power. The cloud by night is the pillar of his power. In Exodus 14 verse 19, the pillar of God's presence leading the people now becomes a kind of a protective screen, a wall, a force field between the people of God and their enemies. And notice how twice, twice in verse 19, it says this pillar moves behind them. It moves behind them. When the enemy is after you, the fire moves behind you. God in the pillar of fire has quite literally got your back. And yes, he goes before you, his presence to lead and guide you. But he also goes behind you in his power to protect and defend you. Verse 20 reads, Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. 
Verse 20, it lit up, literally, and you won't find any English Bible translations that say this, but in Hebrew, it literally reads, the cloud cursed the darkness. Now that can feel like a pretty intense thing to say. We need to take a breath, right? But I feel like this is a word from the Lord for someone, maybe more than one person, listening right now. And you feel like those words, the curse and the darkness, sums up where you are at right now. You feel like you're living under a curse. You feel like you're surrounded by the darkness. And the Lord is saying to you right now, just step into the light. Step into the light. Step into my cloud. Step into my presence. Step into my blessings. And you know, if, if you're connected with that word, please do reach out to one of our service pastors. You can click and ask for prayer ministry. You can do that right now. The pillar of fire is a symbol of power. Throughout the Old Testament, fire reveals God's power. But we see this here in, in Exodus 14. We also see it later on in Exodus 19, Deuteronomy 4, Malachi 3, verse 2, and loads of other places. Now, the pillar of fire is not like a volcano starting in the earth and extending upwards into the sky. But it's a pillar of fire from heaven that descends earthwards down from the throne of God. And God, in this pillar of fire, promises to deliver you from your enemies. In Psalm 97, verse 3. God, in this pillar of fire, assures you of divine protection. In Nehemiah 9, verses 12 to 19. God, in this pillar of fire, he lights up, he enlightens and illuminates the path before you to guide you in the way and lead you through the night in Exodus 13, 21. God, in this pillar of fire, he says, you will not be overwhelmed. Even though the darkness surrounds you, you will not be overwhelmed. For as the rabbis of old taught, God created fire on the Sabbath Eve when Adam felt overwhelmed by the darkness. So we may never feel overwhelmed by the darkness, ever again. The cloud by night is the pillar of his power. A few Sundays ago we celebrated Pentecost, the birth of the church, and we are in the time of Pentecost, the days of Pentecost right now. On the day of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit is described as being like a rushing wind and like tongues of fire. Can you see the allusion here to Exodus 13 and Exodus 14 here on the day of Pentecost? But here's the difference. At Pentecost, the pillar of wind and fire rests on you. The presence of God and the power of God rests on you. Isn't Jesus so good? 
and so kind to us. You know, he dies for you. He rises again for you. And he ascends the Father's side in heaven for you. So he can send his Holy Spirit on you. The presence of God and the power of God to rest on you. To lead you through the lockdown wilderness into the promised place of blessing and freedom. Amen.